He likes to tell you if anyone will listen about his seven caps, his chocolate knees, his distinct lack of pace. Now it's a long shot. Welcome back to the Longman's Football World Podcast. Another week, another guest. And this week's guest is a man I've known for a good number of years. He's not one that normally enjoys the spotlight, gets a little bit shy, um, but he's an important figure within Welsh football. Uh, He is the FAW's Head of International Affairs, Mark Evans. I'm sure he's a guy that most of you have, well, most of you probably know, but for those who don't know Mark, You've probably seen him during Wales games in the backgrounds with his big beard. Um, he's just been around for so long. And it was a pleasure to sit down with him and get a little bit of insight into his story, how he got into the job, his experiences over the years with all the different Wales managers um, over the last, well, quite a number of years. I don't want to give you Mark's age, otherwise he'll never speak to me again. But it was so good sitting down with him um, in a big room, so it's a little bit echoey. So I apologise in advance if the sound quality is not up to scratch. But you can't complain too much because I'm giving you free content here. So get on with it. Hopefully you enjoy the conversation, which I'm sure you will, because Mark is an absolute legend. Welcome once again to the Longman's Football World Podcast. Evans, the Mirtha Maestro, the bearded legend who mm. controls all things FAW. Oh, yeah. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay, Owen. I'm very good. I'm a bit, I think we're all a bit tired, a bit jaded. It's been a long, strange season, and, and sometimes it doesn't even feel like a season. Sometimes, you know, we're in April now, and everybody should be buzzing about relegation and promotion, and that's still going on. But it's a way different world than we were expecting 12 months ago. And the last time we spoke properly was about 12 months ago, where football was normal, life was more normal, but there was a, a little disease that was heading our way. Yeah. I'm not sure if anybody would have guessed the destruction that it would have caused. Um, how has it been for you in the job? Let's, let's start. What is your, what is your role, Mark? Well, my role, I mean, my title is very grand. My title is Head of International Affairs, which always makes me laugh. But in effect, I'm, 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 my my job and my department is, is we are event management really. We make the events happen. We make the, and we look after the Welsh teams, all the Welsh teams from A down to futsal. Um, we look after everything that is not on the field of play. You know, we just literally if you, if it's a 
if it's um, a car for pick a player up or it's um, you know a hotel room, that's what we do. It's all of the logistics. So for the majority of, say, the women's team or the men's first team where they're away with the Welsh national side occasionally, mm-hmm. you know, a bit part of the year, you're always on the go. Well, I'm always on the go because obviously we've got so many teams out there. My principal sort of on-site concern is the, is the men's national team. And I've got some great staff around me who look after the, the women's teams, the youth teams, the, the futsal team. I mean, the futsal team is in the hotel now, um, for example. No, I mean, but it's, but it's a totally different job than it was 12 months ago. Because everything 12 months ago was number one football. Mm. Now it's number one. Starts with COVID and it goes from there. Come on then, how's, how's the last year been? What's, uh, no, what has changed? What have you been up to? I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a different, it's a different game almost now. And I mean that, is that, I mean, as everybody listening to this will know, you know, no fans in the ground. It's a totally different, you know, we, are, we are more or less putting on a training game in a way because of the atmosphere because of the way it's all set up um, for television that's more or less it it's, 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 a, it's a TV production now more than a fan event it's, it's all about the you know get, and make sure this, the players are safe and sound the staff are ready uh, and you know everything else operates the same you know? I mean the ground staff are still there it's all about testing now and risk mitigation, you know. And sometimes you just forget about that, the football, because there's no... Without the fans, you know, there's no buzz, there's there's nothing going on. You know, it's a really, really strange... Um, I mean, you've done matches in your media role. It, it, as you know, it's it's very... Sometimes you just got to kick yourself and think, oh, actually, this is a proper match, hold on. You know, you can drift off. Um, I think the players took a while to adapt to it. I think the players definitely was well to adapt. I think they, to them it was a little bit strange to start with. But for, before we get to the players and what goes on on the field, you are a fan first and foremost. I'm sure oh, yeah, you're, yeah. you're obviously grateful you've got a job and you're still able to be at the games. But as yeah. a, a, what I would class a, a proper football oh, fan, okay, good, yeah. it must hurt you that little bit more when you see these empty seats. Oh, it's, it's, it's criminal. Because there's no buzz in the place. You know? I mean, I mean it's, just a, it's just the personal stuff. You know, all my mates from Merthyr come down and watch the game, so at some point in the game, I wander over and give a thumbs up. And, you know, especially now when we're winning all the time, everybody's excited and you see the same old faces. And you feel as if you're doing it for something. You know, you're, mm-hmm. at the moment, no, you know, don't get me wrong, it's great to watch the team win and the great results last time around. But ultimately, it's all about that buzz, you know. I mean, I, the one thing, the strange thing, if you were to ask me, the one thing I miss is when we're doing a away game, I, I love going on the team bus. To the game, and I was it's a really privileged position to be in to sit within the Welsh national football team on the way to an away game. I used to, I just love that because I was sitting, you know, I'm, I'm about five seats back from from Ryan gigs, you know, and then I'm sitting there and, and, and you've got all the Welsh fans out of the stadiums and the flags are going up, and you get there, and there's always somebody welcoming you. I think, oh, this is amazing. We went to Belgium and Finland. Nothing. Nobody there, nothing there. It's just we literally turned up an empty, at a shell of a stadium. And I think, generally, I think the players early on were not, I don't mean the Wills, but just football players in general. And some of the things that we're talking to players when they were playing for their clubs, I think they took a while to get used to that. It must be the same for them, you know. You've got your, you've got your superstitions, you've got your thing, you've got the fans there, you know. What a, what a great career to have playing, playing the sport you love in front of people who are there to watch you. And suddenly that's gone. It must be really strange. Um, I think they they used to it. I think playing for Wales is different because they're one-off events and they're still 
special. But I mean, it's, it's just can't wait for the fans. We're hoping to get fans back to Albania, okay. even if even if it's three and a half thousand. Even then, it just be, that will make a difference. What's the sense you get from your from your friends who are fans? Because mm. um, I think quite a few would have not lost interest, but certainly lost quite a bit of love of the game. Seeing you know what's gone on in the last year and, and not being it being there because the big part of being a football fan is, and I can't class myself as a proper football fan. I think once you've been in the industry, it's it, it okay, it's yeah. a taint, slightly tainted view if you like, but. It's more more than just the game, isn't it? It's about oh, where you go before, it's where you go after, who you spend time with, who you discuss the game with. Whereas when you're stuck by yourself in your house, oh, it's yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing for myself, I just as I'm worth the fan. Then, um, have I missed the football this year? Because you haven't played at all. Yes and no. Have I missed meeting my friends in the, in the Parkview pub before, and I'm going up the ground, seeing my dad, making sure half time I go buy my dad a cup of cup of tea. You know, those little those are little things. I think people are missing those. And I think also the problem is a lot of people will have found something else to do. I mean, one of the great things I've, I've seen from this lockdown is people are out now walking more, aren't they? So, you know, you may, you may decide to decide, oh, man, I don't want to watch football now. I like going for the walk on a Saturday with my kids and my dog or something. I, you know, I think post-COVID could be an interesting... Football may have to fight a bit to get fans back. Especially with the Euros being what it is, um, oh, yes. with all the travelling, because... Oh, yeah. it's the worst. The, it's the worst kind of tournament for this. It's the worst one for you as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It was. I look, I, I, it was never going to be fan friendly. This is my. I, you know, I mean, it's never be fan friendly. But to have a pandemic in the middle of it has made it. You know, it's like a hundred times worse. You know. And then the options to give your tickets back. There's been that uncertainty, and now you're starting to see that this is. We're recording this what middle of April, where fans. This is their last week, and I see on social media mm-hmm. they've handed, they've made the decision to hand it back for one reason or another. There's a sadness to it, isn't oh, it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, again, you know, again, being a Welsh football fan, we've had a wonderful time in France, and we've done it again. So, and, uh, and none of us expected to be the same as France, but still, you know, we, we, you'd expect to see him back for the first game, one hundred percent, the old red wall, you know, and then. You know, they, obviously, I'm, we are saying that as a team we miss it, but as them, they're going, it's not the same at all. It's never going to be the same, you know, wherever you go, you know. We, I mean, we took a thousand fans to Baku in the qualifying group, that's him round, you know, so. so our, our fans like Baku as well. Yeah. They've had some really good times there. Yeah. So the, the players that you speak to, Mac, you, you mentioned that it took time for them to mm-hmm. adapt. And players are used to playing training games, you know, yeah. at the clubs, but there is never the same intensity. Do you think that they've cracked it somewhat? You, you know, you mentioned the importance of playing for Wales. Hopefully, they've got to the stage now where, from the first whistle, they realise fans are no fans. We've yeah. got a big job to do, but it's hard, isn't it? It's, it is hard. I mean, you mentioned the word intensity. That's the difference to the intensity of, of the game. And I just thought, I, I just don't know. The club, you know, I think there's people just really found it odd. And I think sometimes I, I'm not. I'm not no, I don't know. There's no word for word. But I think some of the players actually questioned whether it was worth it. You know, I mean, because, you know, I mean, at the, especially the first time around when the country was in the first lockdown, everybody was a bit frightened. And then, you know, um, we're trying to say, look, we're we going to play football now. And, and that's obviously, I think in, a, in the long run, it was a good decision because, you know, it's like, you know, it's something for people to watch and do, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, just like a lot of the sports. My dad, you know, he's sort of shielded in the house, 
watches the horse racing every day, yeah. and that gets him through the day. You know, so the football has served the purpose, but I think very early on it was a bit like, are we sure about this? You know, and then we had some clubs you know, not adhering to the rules and things like that. But I don't think the national team ever affected us national team-wise because it is a special it's a special event, you know, so I don't think there was, we ever had that, you know. Um, it's all a bit strange. You know, somehow it's like when we played in Bulgaria and a couple of Welsh fans got into Bulgaria, didn't they? Yeah. That was really odd. That was really, no, no, that was really, really, really cool. Because there were two Welsh boys on the terrace on the other side, and, and I was say the story that the whole Welsh team went over to clap the two players. Two Is that fans. Right? I didn't know that. Yeah, so they got they got like twenty three players on the pitch clapping two people, <laughs> and I just and I, the thing is when I, when I thought of it, I thought, oh, my God, the players just did it, you know? And they were like, where are they from? No idea, you know. And you still haven't found out. Ah, no idea. Was over there. They were just two lads from maybe lived in Bulgaria or something. And there was a couple other ones in the stand as well, but you know, I mean, but that's. The players are adapting to it now, and I think playing for your country, you get the anthem. You know, I think if you don't wake up after the anthem, you know, and we've purposely used the the anthem, the crowd anthem from the Hungary game. Okay. So when you when you see Wales play now, even and the women's team, you know, they've adapted it as well. So when you get the anthem now, it's it's not the the orchestra version; it's the fans' version. You know, and I think just the first few seconds, first few seconds, and into that, and it's the fans then against the Hungary game, which was. Another another goosebump moment. So we got that, and I think I think as, as a player, you're sitting there thinking it's the empty ground. Once you hear the anthem, I think it's the same as everybody else. Just switch on then. It's on. Okay, all right, nobody heard, but I got the red shirt on, and that's playing. And it's a really good anthem, anyway. Obviously, the best anthem in the world. Yeah. That is a fact. And then taking the the crowd recording and put it in the stadium. You know, I think the players could literally close their eyes and imagine it full. And so, that, that makes a difference. Definitely. So where are we at right now then, Mark? Middle of April, um, what sort of things have you got? Because the Euros is happening. This time last year, mm-hmm. uncertainty mm-hmm. cancelled. It's now being played, um, mm-hmm. you know, with, with the alternate venues, different venues and stuff, which is a logistical nightmare, I'm mm-hmm. sure, for you. Mm-hmm. Where are we at? What are you up to? Well, I mean, I'm, where you speak to me now, we are flying tomorrow to Baku tomorrow with a small site visit team. And we were literally there for 24 hours and everything's in place for, for, for everything we want to do. There's no problem with that. In fact, Baku, um, of all the venues we've got, it's a long way to go, but we know them pretty well. Over the years, we know them pretty well, we know the places. So we're very comfortable with what we got. But again, we're going over now to look at the COVID overlay, you know, because we're going to change everything we do. The, usually players would be eight to 10 to a table, nothing would be four. Everything's got to be two meter social distance. Uh, which has caused a problem for UEFA because the UEFA rules are 1.5 metres, but we adhere to Welsh government rules, our government. It's our government, so we are representing Wales, so we, we stick to two metres. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's checking the bus companies out because we, on a 50 seater bus now, we only take 13 passengers. Right. To make, so we, I mean, the, the, at the home games, you you see eight buses coming down the road from um, to the Cardiff City Stadium. That, that's two football teams coming to a stadium. No, it's just. But it's all about maintaining those things so that, you know, if somebody tests positive, nobody else gets knocked on. So that's the visit, and that's the challenge at the moment, is that it's the challenge of not, we're not, there's not a lot for us to change in what we're now plans. Our plans are pretty solid to start with. So let me interrupt you there, Mark. Is there a plan in place then 
um, you know, you don't have to tell me names. Do you have to plan which players are on which bus? Do you do you, do you ask the manager, whoever's in charge, making the decisions? Listen, we can't afford to have hit both him and him on the same bus. No, no, but it's not, it's not, it's, it's not as bad as that. But actually, there's something of the truth of what you said is when we have a flight, we've got a certain aircraft that the players like. It's, it's um, reduced seating, nice seats, you know, and that. And we want, we've decided to keep with that. So there is an element of that because obviously at that point we're not actually maintaining a two meter distance for any time. So there is a bit of the players are spread out on the on the on the, the, the plane. You don't want all the defenders sitting in the exact oh, yeah, same I mean, place. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't want that. And I mean, that's one of the issues that the Irish did. The Irish when they had a problem about six months ago. But actually, on the team buses, there is a rule. Actually, the first bus arriving, the TV want the big stars. Really? So so obviously, um, you know. The captain is obviously on the first bus with the, with the manager. That that's the only rule for the, the buses. Okay. Uh, but I mean, but it's all those different COVID, COVID risk mitigations that we've got to put in place now. But the, the tournament itself is pretty solid. Um, but it's not the same as France in so many ways. I mean, we will go to Baku. We're there for twelve days, play two matches, go to Rome. We're there for four days, and we come back to Cardiff then. Okay, regardless. Uh, regardless. So that's it. So I mean, um, so we come back to Cardiff then and we sit and wait and see who we've drawn the next round and then we go off there then. And then we go off again. Because yeah. as you know, we, I mean, Welsh teams, we don't mess around. It's either quarterfinals or semis for us. Yeah. You know, we're not, we're not like the Scots who don't qualify all the time and never go anywhere. Just happy in the group stages. Yeah, we're, just, we're, we're more of quality than quantity. So, yeah, I mean, but we come back to Wales and we start from Europe again. So it's going to be a really different vibe for the players as well. Um, and again, having no fans there is going to affect the event. I know there are fans coming into it. But it's the likelihood is it's going to be the majority of Turkish fans for the Turkey end, perhaps, oh, being so close to Azerbaijan uh, and then Italians against Italy. Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I think that the, the Turkey game is going to be a home game for them because the, the links between Azerbaijan and Turkey. You know, we'll, have, we'll have fans there because we've got fans who walk places to watch us play with a hardcore of 500, 600 who just watch us you know, tossing a coin in in Zagreb Town Square they'll turn up for that so we know we'll have fans in the ground and it will make a difference mm. but that sense of event I think maybe missing a bit I mean one of my favourite things in France was was on the, in the Bordeaux game was, I thought the anthem was amazing was our hotel was close to the stadium did you come along to that? It's yeah. across the stadium, and, and as, the, as the morning, as the day built up, more and more Welsh fans came along, and then the word of mouth, Welsh team in there, and this sort of festival atmosphere outside, it was just, you know, I got goosebumps again, you know, because, but we're not going to get that again, you know, and it's, maybe we're never going to get it really with this style of t- tournament. We were probably spoilt with France location wise, oh, yeah. the yeah. success of the team and everything, weren't we? Yeah, absolutely, and, and location as well. I mean, I mean, there's so many Welsh fans popped out, and then came back and popped out again and then, you know, this is going to be a tough one for all the fans anyway. I don't know, other fans will turn up everywhere, as I said, but it, it, it's not going to be the same and, it's, and adding COVID onto it has really knocked it again. Let's go back then, Mark, away from COVID times. When you started in the job, when was it? Um, How has your job changed? Who was the manager? It must oh. be a long time ago now. It was December 1989. Yeah. Sort of, uh, sort of stumbled into the job by the quirk of fate, really. And Terry Ross was the manager, uh, who's still, and I'm sorry to say to everybody else, he's still my favourite manager. 
I just thought he was wonderful because I was just a, little, a lad of a council estate in Murfell, which just sort of blundered his way into a job. And um, he just took me under his wing a bit, and he was just a really good... Him and Peter Shreves just... I mean, in those days, it was, it was Terry Orth, Peter Shreves, Doc Jones from Newport, one was a doctor. Good old Ronnie Stitfel was the kit man. And it was me and, uh, and Steve Lowndes, the ex-Newport player, was the physio. That was it. That's it. That was it. You know, I mean, that was more, I, thought I may have forgotten somebody, but that was it. You know, um, small group of people, and it was just a different that time, you know. And a different time with the players as well. You know, Never South or Rush, Ratcliffe, fantastic team. You know. Again, you know, like gobsmacked them, sitting on the plane with these guys. But that was that. But at the time then, when I joined, it was the national team. Uh, and uh, I'm not even sure it was in the 21s and all this. We had that, we were dropped out with a youth team. And that's it. Really? That's it. And then as we've well, gone back to an even keel now, we, we compete at all the levels now. So was it was it a dream job for you? Were you a, a fan growing up, going to all the Wales games, and yeah. then the opportunity came, and all of a sudden Terry Orth say looking after you? Oh, absolutely! I'm I'm a massive. It's, it's just an amazing job to have, and I'm really privileged. You know, I mean, I tell a story. I mean, I'm you know, like everyone wants with a job, don't they? My dad worked for Hoover's, the Hoover's factory in Merthyr for like over 30 years. Yeah. So whenever I come home and say, oh, dad, I've had, a, I've had a tough trip that was, he just clips me on the head and tells me to shut up, you know, because, you know, it's, it's, it's a privileged job to have and, and it's a wonderful, wonderful people, you know. And, but, it, it, absolutely, I mean, I, I was, I mean, the, f- the first couple of games when I was working for the FAW, I actually went to weekends. So I went to Ireland, I went to Luxembourg, you know, so I'm still travelling as a fan, even though I work for them, because the, the role didn't really come up until about 18 months into the job. You know, it was sort of, we need somebody to do this, and off you went. What sort of things were you doing back then? Because obviously it was a different game in terms of the players being more accessible, uh, the players enjoy, enjoying a pint maybe a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, um, did more that, did more that make your job a little bit harder? Or maybe easier? Easier. Made my job easier. I mean... Um, I mean, then it was, you know, it was a different world. I mean, it's only 30 years ago, but it was a different world. The players would come in, and I'm not breaking any confidences here, because I think if we were, players would come in, the first day you they'd go to the pub, you know. Yeah. Uh, that was going on before, well before I got there. You know, they went to the pub, and then they didn't, they didn't do anything special. They had a few drinks, and they came in, and then they all got to train and, and sweated it out. And then, you know, if, if Chepstow races on that week, I know I'd get a phone call from Terry, Mark, book us 30 tickets for Chepstow. And of course, it wasn't the internet then. You would ring up people, you'd get no people. And, that, and that, as I said, I've always done that. I've always collected numbers because they were out doing those days. In the old uh, roller decks, you know? Yeah. Find another chap store. I mean, I know it's an hour and a half to go, but the Welsh team are on their way down. Oh, okay, we'll sort it out. You know, that's all that stuff. But mobile phones changed it all. Mobile phones and just football changed as well. You know, I mean, there's lots of stories I'll, I'll put in my book one day, you know. Um, but, and I also. I suppose journalism changed as well. When it became a 24-hour service, yeah. journalism changed. You know, I mean, our places were drinking with the media. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been out with the players on, on, on a home game, a away game, and the same journalist who sat in the stands watching the game and having a beer with us, you know, because it was a different... And then, twenty, I think, 24-7 journalism now, and driving clicks to websites has changed the dynamic totally in that. So the players' guards has, have to be up to all the time. Right? All I, the time. I, um, I recently filmed something with, with Chris Coleman. Yeah. He was learning the Welsh language. And I had to explain to him beforehand, as a football manager, you mm. are used to camera in front of you, guards up, 
mm-hmm. be aware what are they after here yeah. whereas these cameras for an entertainment show if you like mm-hmm. guards got to come down mm-hmm. these guys are not there to stitch you up yeah, yeah. if you say anything yeah. stupid they'll cut it yeah. no no problem at all they're there to make you look good mm-hmm. so there's different there's different elements but the, yeah. the football journalism the guard has to be up these days. You can't yeah. afford to slip up, can you? Oh, absolutely, yeah. and it's and the same as your social life. You know, um, you know, everybody's got a phone on me. You know, I mean, Neil Lennon this week has had a few too many beers, but then somebody's filmed him. It's a story. Is it a story? I mean, um, you know, but and, and but things have changed you now. Players are much more guarded, and I, they're different with the media now. I think they still understand this part of the job, whereas when I first started this job, players knew journalists. You know, they all had these sort of favourite journalists in a way, and you know, they would just for them, the journalists would ring them direct. You know, didn't have a press officer then. Yeah. You know, and then pick a paper up, and Ian Rush has done a story about looking forward to going to Italy or something. Okay, then, fair enough. Because it was just a different, it's a different world, and, and, and I've had to adapt myself then from that, where that was to where I am now. Um, a lot of us have really, because you know, the, the game changes, and as the club game changes, the international team is always that. Step behind it, you know, to move on, you know. Who were the characters back then? Did, did you did you used to get an invite to join them for a pint or two? Well, not that often, um, to be honest, uh, and because most of them I didn't want to because, you know, a bit of, I, I didn't want to buy the run because I'm not sure where it was at that. Ian Rush has got a bit more money in his pocket than he had. <laughs> I mean, it was good. I mean, all the, I mean, it was, it, it was a different world. So, I mean, I mean Dean Saunders to start with, you know, great company, out, you know. I mean, even like Neville. I mean, I mean, his t- his his tea bill was more than the bar bill, yeah. Because you know he drinks tea for fun, doesn't he? He has tea total, but Christ, he put a tea away. Yeah. Um. I, just, I mean, there was there was loads of people. I mean, like Mark Bowen, one of my favourites as well, because he he reads a lot, and so do I. And we we used to swap books on trips. Okay. You know, I finished his Mark and pass him over, and I still things like that. You know, I always thought that's cool. You know. It was well, it wasn't cool back then. It's it's more acceptable now. But I know if you read, there's a footballer. If you were reading on the bus, you were an oddball. Yeah, right. Look at him reading yeah. a book. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There wasn't an autobiography, well, and that is hence why I remember Mark Bowen because he was probably the one reading books in him. You know, passive over. Okay, I'll read that. And I was, and it, it was just as reached different time. I was going to say more innocent, but it's not. Wasn't innocent by any means, but it was. Um, it was much more open. You know, much more open. You must. Mi- you must miss those. I mean, you speak about them now. Anybody listening will think. It must have been better, and that—that's not to say that the players were better company or this or that. It's just a little bit more freedom. Oh yeah, makes everything a little bit easier, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you know, and players would go up and do things. I mean, I've got to say that you know, talking about Ryan Giggs, you know, because he was—I mean, people forget that and he was there in 1991 and that as well. You know, you know, we had no security or anything, and so literally sometimes you know, we'd have people in the hotel. Wanted to see Ryan, and so after a while, I was going to see receptions, like just have all the way. And then Ryan, come down, mate. You've got 30 people here to sign, and Ryan would just come down and just do it, mm. you know. And, that, and, it, and but again, it was much easier to do it then because there were cameras, so you literally were signing autographs of people, yeah. Now, of course, they all want to photograph and they want to ask you something stupid, you know, there's that one as well, you know. Um, so it, it, even just being fan friendly, you know, it's a different world. You know, I mean, just everything was different. I mean, I mean, we played in Ostrava. Um, I've told the story before, um, but I played in Ostrava, and there was crowd trouble. Of some of our supporters getting battered on the terraces. I think we drew one-one or something in Ostrava, and um, 
Terry Roth was like some one of one of so one of the fans we knew was over there with blood on him. And I said, "Oh, come on, I'll get the doctor to have a look at you now." So, so we comes in and we bunch. Anyway, we got five or six bunch of fans with like blood and cuts and bruises on him, and they and we put him in the dressing room. So in the dressing room with the Welsh team, yeah. getting treated, and you know when the doc is ripping up things, and they got let's say I've got um, Mark Bowen ripping things and handed to we had a field hospital mm. in the Welsh dressing room. You know, um, another one of you talking about a link between the fans, and we, we, which you probably wouldn't do now because they'd get their phone out automatically. Yeah. When we played Romania, we lost five one. At, at the end of the game, again we were driving the big squares of the ground, we were driving across on the cobblestones on the on the bus on the one bus in those days. And there's a couple of Welsh fans being chased by, by, a, by a bit of a mob, you know, and Terry gets up and gra- grabs the driver and, and makes, him, makes him swerve across. And we picked the two boys up onto the front of the bus and then drove off with them. You know, uh, you know, I'd like to think we'd do it again now, but it'd be a different ball game because it'd all be filmed now, wouldn't it? Not, not, not in Covid times, you, sorry lads, you can't get oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. on. Oh, I've never got a mask. No, I can't get on there. <laughs> um, but it's just simpler times, you know. I think you didn't think of those things then. Bobby Gould next, yeah, as a manager, but before you speak about him, is it the same? When a new manager comes in, generally staff are maybe just uh, a little bit worried about their job. Yeah. Are you always comfortable, no, I, I'm the man for this role, or is it a case sometimes a new manager might come in and, and want somebody else in the role? Yeah, I think, I think that's... I think I mean, we've got. I've seen everything in the Welsh FA is set in not in stone. Only so much though as you can get on with somebody, you know. And I mean, for example, if if when we have a new manager in the Welsh team, the medical side of things stays within the FAW because they've got to be the ones who say, "Sorry, I don't care how good he is, he's not playing yeah. because they're not our players." So they have to have that independence to be able to say to give the bad news, and and that's a bit like my role is in a way. You know, we're not doing that. I'm afraid, you know, because. A, reasons A, B, and C, but you've still got to get on with the managers. But if you can't get on with somebody, then I mean that's a different matter, isn't it? But I always, th- I always class it as, as a bit like the um, ministers and civil servants. The manager is the minister of football, and we're the civil servants. We have to make things happen for them. So that's how I view it. I view that sort of that way. So you know, we have to deal with that. I know all the managers are different, you know. What sort of minister of football was Bobby Golden? You hear loads of stories. Oh yeah, I mean. I like to say Bobby Gould is. I think still think that he, he left the job um, better than when he when he, when he had it. I mean, it's so many mistakes. I'm sorry, Bobby, for listening, but you did. I mean, so many mistakes and everything. But but he, he wore his arm on his sleeve. He was the first manager to, to go around the country talking to people. He was the first manager to insist on on site visits. Um, you know, uh, he was the first manager you know, to to. to um, Promote the Welsh language. As odd as that sounds, he was the first one who wanted to do all the stuff, the stuff in Welsh and everything. On the, um, we were a lot of them, weren't we? Mm. And it was him actually put coming on the backs of the wheels. So it's all those little things. But I don't, don't think he, international football is way different to club football. I mean, if you ask Chris Coleman, you know, what was his biggest frustration? You play three matches, you wait a month then, or you could you could play November and never in a match. We wait four months. It's way different the way you have to deal with the players and you have to make it a fun event and I just don't think Bobby ever grasped that. And he was been dealing with some big, big people then coming to the end of their career. Mm. Um, I mean, Ian Rush, for example, I mean, the, the, that was so poorly done. You know. And of course, everybody, everybody in that group, like they are now, 
like when you play for Wales, they all, everybody knows each other. It's, 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 you know, because you, you know, you, everybody in Wales knows each other. It's, 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 a, it's a country of small villages, isn't it, and communities. So everybody knows each other. So when Rushy was upset, you know, then Barry Owen was upset, you know, and he went through the team they got, and I don't think Bobby ever was able to grasp that, you know. Um, Is that frustrating for you in your role? Because we've spoke, you are a fan as well. Do you take that home and think, I can't believe this has happened? Do you speak to your mates about it or do you feel, no, I've got, I have to keep this well, confidential? I, I keep a lot of things inside. I mean, I still do that now. I mean, I, I, that's the way of the job, isn't it? But I mean, it's just like the, um, I mean, the case in point, the famous one, of course, is the Robbie Savage shirt thing. Mm. You know, I, I was in a hotel in Liverpool when that happened and I had a phone call from Bobby first thing in the morning saying, right, um, um, Sab's not in the squad anymore. Oh, okay. Injured? No, no, you, you'll see. And I'm, and I'm watching a picture going, I don't get it. You know, I don't get it. And it's just like, why are we doing this now? Yeah. You know, you know, I, I just, and then it didn't get, and of course you got then, she's in that strange position where you have to, okay, I have to defend this now. And I, like, and I, don't get me wrong, if, if, if a journalist says, no, I, I can defend it, no problem. And my mates are going, shut up, Mark. That was a lot of shite, wasn't it? And yeah. Like, okay, boys, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Because yeah, they're, they're, not, they're not standing on ceremony. What, what was that about? I don't know. And again, you know, we just... International football, there's so few opportunities to make a difference and to shine. If you make a mistake, you can't get it back. You cannot get it back because your next game is four, four weeks away. You know, and... He, he gets mocked for a lot of things and especially these days when people find footage. Mm. I think a recent one was Wales playing at Cumbran. Oh, yeah. And he came on himself. Well, I can imagine, you, you tell me the story, but well, I, I watched that and I thought, okay, I get why fans mock it. Well, I can imagine either the players needed minutes or he's trying to do a favour and uh, trying, to, trying to let the public see these players firsthand. He's yeah. come on, not to get minutes under his belt or to score for Wales, but so that the people watching see the Wales manager... Yeah. In action, maybe. I, I don't know. No, that's, that's absolutely right. I mean, the point being, at that time, they went, went through a phase of trying to play games around the country and raising money for teams. And in the end, we've, we've played a game upon a Pont um, where Mark Pembridge almost got cut in half by somebody. Yeah. Uh, we played a game in Rill. Yeah. Um, we played a game, obviously, the one in Cumbran. And well, we played Orient, of course. And I was just a quick, quick training game before we go. But the point is, though, you know, everyone's obsessed with we lost the Orient in football. Yeah. Oh, boys, we were walking on the pitch at 60%. Just, a, just an absolute just, training just game. Just an absolute it? training game, you know. And, and I suppose it's the naivety at the time, including myself. Yeah. The naivety to say, I thought this is a good thing, isn't it? Yeah. But. And, it, and perhaps it was. It's just with hindsight, we look back now and realise that would never happen now. No, it wouldn't So happen. it makes that 30 years ago yeah. look crazy. Yeah, it, but at the time, it, it yeah. wasn't as crazy. Maybe. No, it wasn't. I mean, at the time, we had a big crowd in Cumbran. I mean, how are we raising money for now? Um, and everybody enjoyed it. I mean, I think, I mean, actually, I remember that one because the players did enjoy it because they all took a piss out of Bobby, you know. And, but that, that would happen anyway with, with, with the gaffer on the pitch, you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, but I, I think the last one, and I'm sure the dates, but I'm sure the one in Pond the was when we drew the line because it got too competitive. Um, you know, and, and the, again, it, it's probably Bobby's probably on the cusp of when the game started to change. Mm. You know, when it started to change from run of Bobby's time, you know, the game, the Premier League is just on the horizon. Mm. And it's also a case of who's the manager that makes that decision. So if Chris Coleman makes that exact same decision to play that game against one of the Welsh clubs mm -hmm. during a period of success for Wales. 
stroke of genius. But oh, because it's Bobby Gould, they have a laughing stock. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the context of it, you know. If we, if, I mean, if don't forget, don't forget, we went, we played up in Wrexham against somebody, and Bobby promised that we'd take a team to Welshpool from training session. So we did a training session in Welshpool on their pitch, and like five hundred kids turned up. And afterwards, it was chaos because all the kids invaded the pitch for autographs and everything. Yeah. But nobody remembers that one because that was a great event. Yeah. You know, I mean, so again, in reality, with the players we got now and everything, and when the camera phones in, you probably wouldn't do it now. But no, they did it, and it was very innocent, and, and it was a success. And that was Bobby. But you know, it was, it was its context, isn't it? It's all about context. Well, seeing as we've gone Yorith and then Bobby Gould, we seem to be doing it chronologically. Mm-hmm. Tosh next? No, well, Tosh Mike Hughes. Was, well, Tosh was before Bobby, wasn't it? And I, no, I didn't even meet Tosh when he came in. <laughs> I didn't even meet him at the time. And then Mark Hughes then. And then Mark Hughes was a wholly different kettle of fish, obviously. You know, that was much more serious. You know, you had Nev for, for that one game and Mark Hughes came in. And then that that's when it really started to change. Professionalism. Professionalism. I mean, not... There's a, there's a long way to go, but the first sort of professional coach of the modern era is Mark Hughes, you know, because it was the, the little things then, you know. I mean, we went to Finland and all the Welsh fans go on the plane with us. We scheduled in those days, and the fans would have a few beers in him, and they would just sing in and everything, just being loud and well, being loud and Welsh as so. well. Yeah. And then Mark Hughes was like, "That's it. Now we got a charter from now on." So all those little changes, which seem obvious now. Yeah. But no, Mark, he was born in charter playing suits for the players, you know. Um, and five years previous, Mark, mm-hmm. the players probably would have been, or five, ten years previous, the players probably would have been drinking and singing with them. Yeah. Whereas maybe Mark Hughes' era, the players of the Premier League era, mm-hmm. were starting to earn more money, starting yeah. to be on a higher pedestal, if you like. Yeah, absolutely. And that separation yeah, was probably starting. More money in the game, you know, I mean, they didn't understand what they had to do. So it, was just, it just changed, and Mark Hughes was part of that change, you know. You know, much more professional. Him and Mark Bowen again, Eddie Vicky, you know, Mark Bowen was the Sergeant Major. Eddie is the the tactician, the brain. They were, they was, that, that's when it started to change. You know, and then we, and then we moved to Europe to the Vale Resort, and that's when, you know, so we started doing things way different to everybody else. He, I mean, compared to what Terry Roth's resources, yeah. to Mark, he was uh, just chalk and cheese, you know. So you're 89, got the job, mm-hmm. you've seen. You can have any major disappointments on the field, but the Romania game, Romania game, and the Russia game. Which one? Well, the Romania, just look at your face. Romania was the worst. Romania was the worst. One hundred percent. Romania was the worst because we, our officers on West Street knows, and we had three home games, and it was building up. And if you want to ask me about the most um, aggressive atmosphere we've ever had in the ground, it's Romania. I was on pitch side and a, a, a flare goes off, a firework goes off and hits Mark Pembridge in the chest okay. in, the, in, the, in the anthem. This place is going nuts, you know. Um, and, and I always, I'll be honest with you, I, think, I always feel sorry for Paul Bowden because he keeps showing that pen. Mm. Neville Southall is the best goalkeeper in the, world, in the world, in the world at that time. And Haji shot from about 40 yards and never could have dived over it and dived back on it. And, and then, you know, it's one of those nights. And then, of course, then you had the flag went across the ground and John Hill was from Merthyr, you know. So, you know, I mean... What, what's, what's that story, Mark? Oh, it's the, I mean, to be, to be, to be honest, I, I, yeah. the only thing that I had, my job at the time was to contact the family and, you know, see what we could do. So a flare went off. 
Explain what happened. I didn't, I'm, not, I'm, I'm in the dressing room area. I'm here on our walkie-talkies, and it's a you know, disappointment, isn't it? You know, everybody's gutted, you know, people don't know what to do. And then there's a, let's say there's a cold word or something comes over, which means you've got to clear the lines. So it's like, oh, okay, what's that? And then it slowly comes through that somebody's died, you know. And then, even then you don't think, heart attack? Or, you know, what is it? And then it sort of slowly comes out and... In a way, it made the football pointless. So, in a way, we just went, well, who cares about the football now? This is just something else, you know. Um, and Alan Evans, I thought, you know, he's, he's to tact us, he's a very passionate man about Welsh football. He, I thought he was superb that night. You know, he dealt with it all and dealt with that. And the only thing I had to do was sort of, because I was from Merthyr, and just liaise with the family um, over it. And they were magnificent. I mean, um, they, well, they were just dying. I can't believe how resilient they were and you know, the shock of going to a football match and then with your dad and your dad not going home with you. Mm-hmm. Um, they, were, they, were, they were amazing. You know, never blamed the FAW, never, never raised a voice, you know, very, very stoic, you know. And I just thought, probably a lesson in life, really, for myself as a young lad then, you know, just see that, you know, people have to react to adversity. They were they were fantastic, you know. Um, but the Russia game. So the Romania game, it, the disappointment is more than just the football. Obviously, oh, it's, it's, it's thinking the football. back, the, 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 the Russia game puts it into context. The, the Romania game was I thought we were going to qualify. Thought we were going to qualify. If I'm honest, before the Russia game, I didn't think we were ever going to do it. You know, I just it was really strange. I didn't go to Moscow because I was back here because the event was massive. Um, Great result in Moscow, come back, and I just didn't feel as if. I, what I, all I can say to you is, when we played Hungary, yeah. I knew we were going to win. Because mm-hmm. this group of lads are fearless. They don't care about pressure. I felt those players then, for the Russia game, let it get to them. I mean, I've got a story about Sav. You know, Sav is a nightmare. He pulled my tie, try and cut it off. He was a, you know, he's a great lad to be around, but oh God, he'd get in. Went on the training, matched him minus one, and I'm sitting opposite him. I think, oh, oh no, I'm sitting opposite Sam. What like this? Oh, but I want to sit here. And he was, he was so quiet. He went down, and you could see, you know, he was just thinking about it, you know, and it's just that. And I just think, I think we were not frightened, but, you know, it just didn't happen, and you could see it, and you could see it not happening. Yeah. You know, if everybody's up again. No, just didn't happen, and, and I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't actually. Obviously, I've been. I've been gutted. I don't look back at that as a. It's the Romania game. There's, there's so many levels, you know. And probably in your job, you would have had first-hand experience of seeing maybe the doping team having a night off that night over in Russia, maybe. Oh yeah. Well, they didn't have a night off, did they? At the point they had, they did the right. This <laughs> is just that what happened afterwards is the issue, you know. You know. Um, I mean, again, that that's. It's just a little bit of a sour taste, isn't it? A massive, yeah, exactly. I mean, and you just think, what's the point of all that? Again, it is, it is that thing. What's the point of all this? You know, you've got these things in place, and they fail. So, what does that mean? Mm. You know, they fail. Okay, they fail. Well, not nothing. Well, what's the point then? Yeah. Who told us that? We were you know, maybe we were playing boys and Tell us what the rules are. Yeah. Tell us what the line is. You know, and um, ultimately we're tilting at windmills a bit there because you know the close ranks. But I mean, it's just that was that was 
the Russia game was just it was really strange and just didn't really happen. But it was it was a real tournament. I mean, we got. We, I think that that qualifying for me and that group, we started off like a train. Then we went, we, and then <laughs> I was in Serbia when the prime minister got shot. Okay. So I've gone there for the site visit with a couple of colleagues of mine for a site visit. See the hotel. We get up to the hotel and there's like helicopters and the whole place has gone like blue light. And we go to the hotel. We go stay in the hotel. The country's closed down. What's happened? Oh, this prime minister's been shot. You don't think anything of it. It's a bit like COVID. You don't think anything of it. That, that's outside. That's outside. That isn't it? Yeah. You know. Then oh, we, we do this little visit and they said, oh, well, we don't want to. Uh, Britain's been lifted. You can go home. Oh great! So we get back home. And a week later, the game's off. In it, if you remember. Yeah. We've been August then. Because we've lost a bit of momentum from March to August, and August is a horrible month for football, international football. All the clubs hated it. Yeah. Players are just getting back, and we went there. And if, if anybody's listening can remember the game, where Ernie goes on the keeper, and it's like I think it's one all. We lost one nil, and he goes on the keeper, and, and I'm sort of sitting just off the bench on one of those loose seats, just watching the game, and the ball's in the net. The ball's in the net, and. and I, some Serbian defender has defied the laws of physics and has appeared and hooked it off the line and I'm sort of I'm in mid-air and there's those fine margins yeah. so I think that goes in and we get a draw we qualify the, 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 the whole qualifying sort of petered out you know yeah. and it, it's momentum Chris Coleman always talked about momentum that's all Chris was mentioned was stay in the tournament as long as you can momentum and we were losing momentum and the time of the Russia game we looked tired and it didn't happen Big Tosh comes back then um, we, we all know the story of giving opportunities to young players big changing of the guard if you like mm-hmm. but for you personally what was that like what was he like oh, I, again I, I, thought, I thought Tosh was wonderful yeah you know, and he gets a bit of stick as well oh he gets a bit of stick he's yeah, some I, guy I, I, he's a bit of stick I mean but I think, with, I think Tosh Tosh get, gets it Tosh is a Welshman. Wales was important to him, you know, and that, you know, and he's a, it's a strange one, isn't it? You know, it's like, you know, abroad he's like a legend, and in Wales though he's not really giving the due, he's, you know, the, the credit he's due yeah. for what he's done. You know, I mean, we went to a draw. I think it was in Montreux. It must be the Austria Switzerland finals one there. So usual stuff, you know. Tosh can come over here and speak to Rob Phillips. Yeah. She does like 10 minutes with Rob Phillips and then maybe um, Dylan from the S4C's popped up, you know. Yeah. We didn't leave him. We were the last people to leave because he did Turkish TV, French TV, Spanish TV, Italian TV. They all wanted him. Yeah. And he spoke about their groups. Okay. So we were the last to leave. We almost missed out playing. <laughs> so, I mean, they're like pushing the Italian manager the way. Because in Europe, he's a massive figure, you know. I think we'll forget that. I just, I thought, this is wonderful, this is. You know, the Welsh team manager is going to be on everything, you know. And the fact that he, you know, the fact again, he, he speaks, he speaks Spanish obviously, um, but he speaks Turkish a bit, and he speaks in sense. So I thought was a, people don't give him credit for that for doing that. Um, he was the, the differences are with him and Bobby Gould, though. I don't think again he's at, he's got the modern player with an old fashioned coach in the right ways, but Bob uh, Bobby probably didn't get playing for your country what that means just the the culture of it. Tosh did. So he never really worked. Tosh could never work out why he would retire from football. He said, football players don't retire. They get retired. Yeah. You know, you're not retired. You're still available. You know? 
you know that, that that's you can never get that sort some some of them the the modern football things didn't sit well sometimes with that but I mean we had some great results you know and you know again brought some players in who've got caps and stuff you know good company Mac absolutely fabulous Tosh Tosh is absolutely made for a podcast because I mean this you know in a really positive way he is great company if you're talking about him oh yeah I mean he is and he's got an absolute photographic mind yeah you know, we you'd be sitting in um and after games, one of the things we do so we all the staff had to come back and he would always have a nice quality bottle of Rioja on the table. Yeah. So a little bottle of glass and everybody had a glass all the staff had to have a glass of red before you went because just a just a little touch, you know. You know, if you won, well done, if you lost, what happened, you know. And then, you know, we just get talking then and then they like say, Oh, I, I saw a goal of you was last last uh, last night, Tosh. You scored against West Ham in nineteen seventy six. Yeah, I remember that game. And, and he would name both teams. And he would name both teams. And I wow, that is mental. I was going to say, he would name the bench when yeah. he was manager of Real Madrid, the bench when they played Tenerife. Yeah. In, you know, in the middle yeah. of September or something. So, and I know he, he, he writes a journal, he was writing that. He's writing every week. He, he, I don't know if he still does, maybe he does. He was writing um, a column for a, the biggest Turkish newspaper. Really? You know, so I mean, it's just on a different level, you know, sometimes. And, I think the weird thing as well is some of the players I don't think they know who he was yeah and that sounds really weird isn't it mm, but yeah. a lot of players just don't John Totschak um, okay he's played Liverpool there's more than that and it's in check there but again I just think the sign of a good manager is if you move it on a bit more and we had Mark Hughes which was the, the sort of modern professional Totschak a bit more fashion but I think he did move it on though yeah um, in, his own, in his own in his own way, his own way you know, because players played, um, and he wasn't afraid to put somebody on, um, and he wore his heart on his sleeve, basically. You know. Well, it was like a it was it was a period of trials, if you like, to play for your country and yeah. with the greatest respect, because I was a part of that. It mm. was sink or swim. I'm mm. going to give the opportunity to so many of you players. Mm. Who's going to take the chance? Who's going to be good enough? And there's no question that he did mm. that. Yeah. Um, He's, he's, he's a good guy. Uh, oh, you oh, mentioned the Rioja there. I think a fa- I'm sure a fire alarm went off here in the Vale one yeah. time, and he was, you know, he's like Roy. Roy Evans used to carry his, his big his bag and stuff yeah. like that, didn't he? So he'd be saying, "Roy, get mm. back in my room, get that <laughs> bottle of Rioja." So the fire alarm's yeah. cut off, and he wanted this Rioja. But he was, he was calm with everything, and he'd, he'd be calm, you know. The thing with me and Di Griffiths, the kit man, you know, Mark and Di, what have we been up to then? Yeah, so I dropped a few beers last night. Oh, okay, and I think it's just really good. And it just quite old-fashioned though, because obviously coming up like and a great company. He's oh, as you said, you've got to interview him because the stories just flow. You know, well, I, I tell you a story with Tosh. He wasn't one for um, going out and visiting. We, we went to Pristine St Andrew one day, and Kerry Senna was with the FA then, so he's going up to Preston St Andrew, open a new stand. Do you want to come up? I said, I'll come. Jump in the car. So I'm with John Toshak in the car. Big car. I'm going up. John's driving. And we get the press team. And um, as we get on the way up, he's talking. And he, Real Madrid, remember that? And you can't sell players. Do you mean You can't buy players. You can't sell them. I'd yeah. like to sell a few of ours, all that stuff. <laughs> and then we get we got the press team. And he pulled over to the pub. And then we went, all right, John, let's have a beer. And he drove for you. He was nervous. So a lot of people always take... John Toshik has seeming quite arrogant. Yeah. 
this may sound really strange now, but he's quite a shy character. So I'm thinking, what's the man? I said, I don't want to say. Because he doesn't like speaking. He doesn't like making speeches. So, but if you... Once he gets going, he's oh, Once he gets going, he's gone. It's thought, yeah. isn't it? But it's a thought. And he was genuine when he's sitting there going, oh, oh do they, did, they, did no one come in? Yeah, here's John. Oh, okay, what am I going to say? John, you're, you're a prestige. Just you being there, everyone's been happy, you know. Just say you're that. And I'm curious, look, like IG does now, you know. IG is great at this as well. I'll get on the stage, just say, great to be here, and I'll ask you a few questions about your career. Hour later, he's still going and everybody's laughing, and you know, but I think there's definitely that, it, because he's a big man, you know, he's quiet, you know, he's got his opinions, but he's, he is quite bizarre to say, he's quite a shy person, mm. an introverted person. Yeah. So and I think something that can come up as a bit of arrogance, and it's not that. No, I, I just think he was wonderful, great company. I'd have to bring some extra batteries, I think, uh, oh, I to mean, do a podcast with, with Big oh, Talk. And he did some great impressions of Bob Paisley. Does he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Moving on then, and Gary Speed come, came in, and he did change it. You told that, Tosh I'm, changed I mean, it, but that needed this, to happen. Yeah, what you've got, you've got change, change, change. Gary Speed is revolution. That's what Gary Speed is. Gary Speed is revolution. Um... Was that hard for the for the FAW, do you think? I don't think it was hard because I think we, we knew it had to be done, but we didn't know how it would be done, if you get me. Because you know, we don't see association on the club, we can see the world's changing. You know, we need somebody young and vibrant to come in and change it. And you know, we picked the right person because he just came in and then, you know, within three months, you know. And, and, and you know, it became a different environment. It became... You know, much more challenging environment, but in a positive way. You know, we've got you know Damien Roden came in for sports science. Just, just you know, that that was the thing. We had no sports science up until then. Damien Roden comes in and just changes everything. You know, with the suppliers, the nutrition. You know, this is what we're doing. What do the menus look like? They just revolutionised everything. You know, Raymond Vahayan, You know, comes in. You know, challenges everything. Yeah. You know, in a uniquely Dutch way. You know. Yeah, there's another character you should interview him as well That'll, you definitely need more batteries than that one definitely definitely but again you know he was challenging things you know he's like you know why are you doing that why, why are you sitting on this square table mm. what do you mean I want, I want a round table I want just things like that you know? I liked him whether I would like him if I worked with him day to day for a long period of time yeah. I'm not sure but I, I some of the things that he did and brought oh. into it I thought Oh, I like that. Yeah, I, 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 I think he was like he's an explosion. Yeah. So he, I think he comes in and he makes a massive difference. But then you're done. Like you think, what else are you going to give us? You know, because he, because again, he was part of that revolution. Everything we did changed. Everything we did. And, and I've done an article for for another magazine about changing points and when did certain things change. And I've gone back to the Australia game. When we lost yeah, Australia, I was on the bench. Yeah. On the bench. If you ever remember, look, I, I've been, I've seen thousands of training sessions, and they bore the pants off me because I'm sitting there waiting for the finish. And come on, boys, it's quite well tell. I remember sitting watching us train the night before the Australia game, and we were fantastic. It was like watching the best team in the world. Ball was, ball was. It was all about tempo. I remember, I just, I can see it in my head now. At the Cardiff City, the ball's pinging round, you know, ping, 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 hitting them. You know, we, we decided to save or goal. It's just, and I remember afterwards the buzz in the dressing room. After I think, oh, this is it, this is it. Next day we go shit. Do you remember? It was a really low tempo. Yeah. I remember Danny Gavin 
sorry Danny, probably had his worst game. You know, it was just no tempo. And I remember coming back here and then probably the first time having a sort of a council of war. Where he was like, why well, have we got to change it? But what do we change? Because we've had a great training session. Yeah. We've had a great camp. But it was, it, we were in here and that's when we moved to St. David's. Because he just said, I just want to change it. You know, and that's that different thinking. Mm. You know, Mark, I want to change the hotel. O- okay. You know, all right then. Bit out of comfort zone now. Yeah. yeah. But no, I want to change it. Why? I just want a new, I just want a different, no, there's no reason apart from I want to change it so the players are out of their comfort zones again. You know, and, it's, and that, it's that thinking, it's that dynamic thinking that came into it then. And, you know, the, like we, we have now with Chris Coleman and Ryan and, and now it's, it's that sort of council of war thing where you're saying, right, okay, on the table, honesty, you know, that's where that happened. And that was, that was the, that was a culture change. And as I said, and I keep saying it was it was a it was a revolution. It must must be fascinating for you to to see oh, yeah. those sort of meetings. What sort yeah. of input you have? I, I I don't know, but oh, even if it's minimal. Well, well yeah, and to be fair, that was part of it. You know, you, I mean, I've always getting input. I mean, just had a meeting now. You know, and um, die for the, the kit team, Sean from the medical, Tony Sherbrick from the, all departments are represented, and you all have to say because. You've been around, but that was the first time. Then that was that was, that was a challenging environment, you know, because there was no quarter hour still given, you know. You know, if you didn't step up, you nail it to the floor. You no, know, it's that New Zealand thing, isn't it? That they, they were, if you're going to stab somebody, stab in the stomach and not the back. Yeah. And it, that's when they first started. You know, and it's one of the things that Chris Coleman did as well. You know, that open discussion, and that, that was a massive culture shock for me. So, yeah, okay. So you thought people were falling out. Or would well, fall out from the, on the back yeah, of Yeah, because you, know, you, you have to go in there and, and, and accept the premise that, you know, you are going to be challenged and you may be criticised. No, in front of everybody, you know. It's actually and, a thing in football. Yeah, and sometimes you have to go, sorry, lads, you're right. Yeah. You know. Oh, you may argue your case. You may want to sit there. No, I'm, you know, but that was when I came in with Gary. And I was, and, and, and I'm not saying that this is a positive thing now. This is a, you know... No, why are we doing that for? Why are we at this hotel? Things like that. That was that was such a revolution in the way we did things, and you know, and again, you know, took a while, but we got there. You know, and what was what was Speedo's passing like for you? What what was it like working within the FAW at that time? Oh, it's magnificent. You know, he was the he was probably the first manager who came to the office right away. You know, from the office and dish out and sweets to everybody and all that stuff and it was just I mean because he was the first one of course I knew was a player yeah so it wasn't if I didn't know him you know I knew he knew me as a, as, a, as the, the administrator the secretary so we, I knew him already so it wasn't if I he knew who I was so I didn't have to introduce myself it was oh yeah Mark okay you you run the buses here yeah I'll get the bus you mate don't worry um, and I was, was way different you know and it was a different way of doing things you know always positive we had meetings all the time, there was lots of stuff going on, and I, you know, he was just a charming fella, you know. It's just, the, you know, it's the it's the week of his death, you know. The last time I met him was when we were in Belgium for a fixture meeting, you know, and he just bossed the room. It's just strange, you know. Just thinking we we were playing in the group with Croatia and Serbia and the Scotland, you know, and it's, you know, that's like the room we're in now with a long table and everybody's around you and you're trying to get work out who's playing who and everything and all that, and it's just doesn't happen anymore and you know 
I'm sitting there and going, what do we need? We're going to play home first, and we, you know, if we can't play home last, so like that, that's what we're going for you. You know, it's me, him, and Raymond. And, um, you know, when I'm sitting to Scotland, we want, we want to play you that day. Now, you can't play out in Glasgow on a Friday. Oh, why is that? Police want to allow us and everything. So, can't we got up with the fellow from Scotland? Let's ring the, let's ring the Scottish police. Because yeah. there's somebody from the police there. Let's ring your boss. So, what do you mean? I want to ring your boss. So, I went in the back of the room and just bring up the other one. I don't think it's the chief constable. Bring up somebody. Look, Wales want to come and play on a Friday in Glasgow. We're happy with it, but we know you won't be. I said, oh, Wales. A bit of a discussion. Gary's on the phone to me. Yeah, it's Gary. It's Gary Speed, you. Oh, hello, Gary. <laughs> you know, and um, they agreed to play the game. Because we said, look, it's Wales. Look, we're going to come with our fans and it's, it's not going to be a problem, is it? And we got the game. And then he goes in and starts talking to the creations in the surgery room table. Right next to each other. Yeah. I'm thinking, buddy, I'm... Want to get Gary over to the Middle East? You know, I just bossed the room in, and I just remember going out of, the, out of there, and we were going, and Raymond was going to jump in his car and drive off because obviously Belgium was driving home. Me and Gary, me and Gary were going to the airport, and it was literally high fives in the car park. Really, job well done, the three of us. Even Raymond even smiled. <laughs> you know, was that a surprise for you though? Because for, from the outside, people would Gary obviously had an inner steel, you know, the yeah. career that he had. But in a in a in a meeting environment, you know, some would think he, he'd be a shyer type, if you like. No, it was Gary. I, I, he knew what he wanted. I think I think what needed right. to be done. I think Gary was quite reserved, you know. He, he, you know, on some things, but you know, he, he could charm anybody. You know, and he just had been excited. And again, you know, coming, it's a weird one. Isn't it? He's always saying, well, no, "Should the national team manager of Wales be Welsh?" And the answer probably is no. It doesn't have to be Welsh, but there's a, there is a, like a one percent or a five percent in there that does make a difference. So Gary's there fighting for his country, and he understands yeah. a little bit more. He's going to give a little bit more, you know. And uh, he, he was just fantastic with that, you know. You know, and uh, you know, we fly home, fly home. Four days later, you get a phone call. You know. How, how, how was that being at the FAW? You know the the worst possible news that you could have received in, in, in the weeks and months that followed? Uh, it's just blue, to be honest with you. Because there's, there's, a, there's a thing, a couple of things in there. I mean, I took one of the, I was one of the first to get a phone call. I wasn't the first, but I was the first with the, when I spoke to the police. And <laughs> it's funny, it's a Sunday morning, isn't it? So I'm not lying, I am. And I'm, when I picked the phone call, it's one of those, somebody from Cheshire Police wants to talk to you. Oh, okay. Thinking, which, which player's going to trouble now? You know, and then quite matter of factly, somebody says over the phone that Gary Speed has been found dead, and they think the first reaction is, Am I still sleeping? You know, and check him awake, and then it's just a numbness, then because you just don't can't process it, you just can't process it. And then you know, and then the news goes out, and your phone starts ringing, and um, Neil, Neil Taylor ringing, you know, and like. They had a game that day, I think, didn't they? Yeah. Swansea were playing Aston Villa. Yeah. I mean, I remember Craig Bellamy ringing me. Mm. Yeah, you know, just, that was later on in the day. That was, and I was just like, I think, I think, I think people wanted me to say, no, no, it's, don't worry, it's, it's not true, you know. But I remember, I'm sure many do. I remember where I was. Um, I think I'd actually gone back to Norwich for some reason, and I was about to fly back up to Inverness. Yeah. And I'd received a couple of messages from friends asking mm-hmm. and thinking, come on. Yeah, yeah. Come on. 
I've heard nothing. Yeah. And then Twitter wasn't as big as it used as it is it's now. Yeah, yeah. You're having a little look, and then the phone call off. I think Gareth Blamey, a journalist, and yeah. thinking, oh my god. Yeah. And it is that you know. I think people ringing up, you know, because obviously I'm sitting on my phone now, and the phone's ringing. And I go through and say, oh, Mark will know, and I'm not, and they're open. I'm going to say, oh, don't worry, boys. Somebody's got it wrong there, and I'm like, yeah. It's like, and then, then it's why then, and then I'm like, I don't know, yeah, so I don't know now. Um, and it's just one of those, you know. And I tell you, the, 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 the thing that caught me though was when we were at the St. David's Hotel again. Obviously, I know this is there's no pictures of this, but it's like a long table like this. Yeah. This is what we sit on. If you remember, if you remember in the St. David's, yeah, the long tables. So Gary's seat is there next to him. he's the last one there next to the window overlooking the bay. You know, and then on the next the next game back, which must have been Costa Rica, you know, we come in and then you know sit down and you look, and the chair's empty. I think that's the first time I sort of filled up was that moment because you think, oh yeah, he's not here, because the physicality was there because obviously he's died, but then when you know the physical person would be there and he's not there, and a few other staff have said the same thing. That was the moment. What's that about? Uh, no, I just no idea how to process it really. And so I think some of the players did struggle big time. Mm. Neil Taylor, Craig Bellamy, uh, a lot of them just couldn't process what the fuck was going on. And it's been it's unbelievably. It's it's it will be ten years this year, which is it's crazy. Yeah, it's scary. crazy in yeah, itself. But a lot has happened in Welsh football in that. I mean, we're over an hour in, Max. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. We won't go through every game in the Euros and such, but a lot has happened that at that time you probably couldn't. Well, you, you half of you probably could dream because the team that had been doing so well, but also Serbia losing out there, it didn't seem possible, did it? Yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's like the resets. I said, I mean, the Australia game was a reset. It was when Gary Speed said, "Something's got to change it because this, this we're doing everything right, but it's not happening." Um, and I think. Novi Sand is Chris Coleman's reset mm. where you know he's upstairs in that little cottage they've got there sitting in the, sort of the semi-darkness saying to us well, if this, this isn't working why isn't it working you know? and then I think Chris Coleman asking the me, you know, but I think he just went well, that's it I've got, this is I have to do my own way and my own vision and that, that's the reset there you know, when, what, was that the same game that he had the passport trouble was that no, that was game? that was Macedonia. That was. But he was under pressure for different reasons, results, um, you know. Oh yeah, he was I, under I, a lot of pressure. Did I, you think I, after Serbia is he going to is he going to walk? No, I don't think. I, I don't think he was ever going to walk. No, I, I mean he, he wouldn't have walked because I think I think I think the job meant too much too much to him. And I don't I don't mean as a Welshman because he was for, for Gary. Yeah. You know, I, I think in a way I think he almost took it too. Much to heart. I think Chris was, I suppose he was trying too hard. Yeah. You know, and he just needed to relax and do it his way. You know, he's got the, Gary's given you the tools, but he's still got to do the job. And I think, I don't think he was able to walk away, but it was just an epiphany moment probably. So, look, right, I know what to do. And then, you know, it just, it changed straight away because it wasn't, it was, quite, it was quite a quick sort of time there. I mean, but, but still though, as he tell you, half time in Andorra, you know, I was just writing a letter to him, dear Mr. Coleman. <laughs> you know, because Andorra is one is another sort of sliding doors moment, isn't it? Well, right to the very end, because 
Bale's taking a free kick once. Yeah. He gets yeah. he gets to take it again. Takes so it if, again, he, yeah, if that box. doesn't happen, well, yeah. yeah, who knows what the future would have been? Absolutely. I mean, it's exciting those moments, you know. And then, of course, I mean, everyone knows what he was, so there's not much to say. But, but again, you know, Chris Coleman, very much like Gary and that going forward, where, you know, everyone's able to have their say, but Chris Coleman makes the call, you know. That was, a, that was the big thing I always take out of it. When people ask me about how we manage things, that's the one thing I always take out of it. You sit in a room, and me and you will be arguing 10 to a dozen, and Chris will sit there and just let you get on with it. And then, okay, all right, stop now. Uh, all went right. We're going with all went's plan. Right, Mark? All right, okay. And then we just... But, he, but he's heard both sides. He's heard both sides. And that's when, this is what we're going to do. And I've, I've won a few and I've lost a few. Mm. You know, and I, and I think also that was good because everyone in the room knew they could have their say. You know, but if you lost, you that's it. You don't mention it again. Yeah. And that was pretty good. That was a really good management style. You know? Did you enjoy working under him? Or oh, man. Would you, are you working under him or are you working with him? I, working I with him? Oh, well, no, I mean, there's, as I said, civil servant job, isn't it? I'm working sort of alongside him but under him because yeah. ultimately he makes all the the big decisions are with the team manager, you know? When, when do you want to fly, you know? And I can get, I'll, I'll book you the plane, but you know, if you want to fly three days before, okay, it's your call, that is. It's the sort of big decisions are still with the manager. All I do is just the logistics to make sure it happens. Um, oh yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's no point actually mentioning you always because every Welsh fan has heard all the stories before, you know? Yeah. You know, but it was just magnificent, you know? You know, um, Israel away, definitely the day. Israel away was amazing. That Israel was my away. first away trip as part of the media team. Yeah, that was it. That Radio. Was, that was when I knew something. That was it. Performance and the meaning of the of the result as well, wasn't it? Performance. I mean, I mean, they were the team at the time. Yeah. You know, and, uh, it's just that. But that's, afterwards, then going back and away, Vaughan Williams on his guitar, and you know, and just the team spirit in the camp. Then I mean, because you have Owen Vaughan Williams, you know, legend as he is, you know, legendary artist. Goalkeeper, and then sitting next to him is Gareth Bale. You know, saying, "Come on, I want next song." And it's back into the Euros, you know. I mean, Chris kept all the players on the side. You know, so my, my my favorite two players of the tournament: uh, James Collins and David Cottrell. Because of what they were providing for the team. Absolutely. Way. I mean, James Collins ran more in the, in the in the Russia game and then get on the field than he did in, in the other game. Really? On the bench, he was a nuisance man. He was on the bench. He's heading every ball. Running down the line, I'm behind the bench, and my job is to tell them what the scores are in England game. Not that it mattered because we were winning three games, it didn't really matter because we were going to qualify. But he's still asking me, I, literally every minute, like a, like a kid going on holiday. What's going on? This is still, still drawing. Okay, minute later. Mark, any news? I'm sitting behind James. I'm sitting behind, I'll tell you. Yeah. And it just like a child, bang, bang, and then up, up chasing the ball in the line, and uh, uh, just. Just wonderful, you know, the camaraderie. And David Cottrell, you know, in the hotel was, you know, the fixer and everything. And just great people. You know. But sometimes you have to know your place in a squad. And that's, that hurts. As a, if you're a footballer, sometimes that hurts because you want to be the, the star. You want to be a starter. Yeah, be but it's important. And James Collins is a, is a good example, whether you agree or not. I think over the years would not have been happy just to be a squad player. No. But I think he found his... He realised leading into that Euros, oh, do you know what? Okay, I'm not going to be one of the three centre halves, but I need to be ready because I want to be a part of that squad going yeah, to exactly. a major championship. Yeah. So he, he almost took a back step. Yeah, I mean, I mean, but again, Gary made a big decision with James back when we played England, remember? Because Darcy Blake came in, 
okay, for the yeah. game. I think James was suspended or injured. Yeah. And the next game was England. I think James, James Latelio, was expecting to play. But Gary said, no, no, Darcy's got the shirt not made. You've got to get the shirt off him. And, and James was like, I know he was a bit, a bit upset about that. You know, the old uh, kit man, Di Williams, if anybody remembers the old Di. Yeah. Di had a word in him. You know, mate, that's the way it is. This is football. You've got to get that shirt off him now. You've got to train better. And uh, I think James must have had that in his head. You know, I'm, I'm you. I'll get on. You know, yeah, he just he couldn't jump as high as Ronaldo. It's all good. Nobody could. Nobody could. Do you know what? That question was asked to me recently, you know, if Ben Davis and Aaron Ramsey. And I said, well, maybe. We could, we've always got that as an excuse. Yeah. But... Rambo could have been on Ben's shoulders and they wouldn't have got as high as Ronaldo. I mean, to be honest, the, the first goal, goal was, I hate to say it, it was a bit of a joy to watch. Second goal was the killer. Yeah, just straight, just, really soon after. Yeah, horrible little goal. Little freaky little goal. But the Ronaldo one, like, you know, he's, he's, he's up in the air before they take the corner. <laughs> it's not right, is it? <laughs> Listen, it's against the laws of physics, mate. It's just, you know, there's something, there's something wrong there. Yeah. So we'll wrap it up, and Mark. We're at a good place. You're heading off to Baku. Um, positive around the camp because all yeah, of a sudden, yeah, 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 there's yeah. not many players that are still there from the last Euro. So. No, is it? And I think that's a good thing as well, though. Because I mean, I think some of the things that may affect may affect is that I mean, the Gareths and the Wings of this world are fantastic down in France, but this is always going to be a different one. So you know, nobody's going to have any preconceptions going into this one. It's just a different way of doing it, you know. Hopefully we're going to come back to Cardiff, you know, after you know, winning the group or qualifying from the group and, you know, buzzing on Cardiff would be good then, you know. It'll be a different world of Wales then, with the, you know, everything's going well on the vaccines, you know. We might come back and we might be able to do something with fans around a training session or something, you know. And so, you know, but it's not going to be the same as fans. Playing this come brand. Playing this come brand. Let, let me book it on for you now. Do you want a game? I'll have a game, yeah. <laughs> okay. Why not? As long as it means the eighth cap. Well, yeah, okay, okay. Hey, no problem talking, mate. Hey, you're a busy man, Mark. I appreciate um, your time and enjoyed catching up with you. No Thank problem. You. Thanks always. It's been a pleasure as always. There we go. Another episode done. Massive thank you to Mark. Loved sitting down and uh, catching up with him, if you like. Such an interesting guy and has so many different stories uh, from his experiences with all the different managers. So... He provides a different sort of insight, not like a player, not like a manager, not like a fan. Um, he's almost like a, a fan that's a bit of a spy. He gets a first glimpse of what goes on behind the scenes. So brilliant catching up with him. Uh, if you enjoyed it, leave a review, subscribe, leave a rating. Um, remember to go back to the back catalogue if you want to listen to previous episodes. And thank you for listening once again. Massive shout out once again, and I will do this every week. Make Parry, the one and only Mickey P gets the pod up on the different apps to make sure that you can listen and enjoy so until next time thank you everyone for listening